Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Everyone, great to have you here on uh, what is a slightly grey but still warm and humid weekend. It doesn't matter if the sun's not out, it still melts your face off at the moment kind of weather. Um, but it's all good. Thank the Lord for air conditioning. It's good to be here. I do want to say uh, and just echo that welcome that uh, Megan uh, shared earlier. If you are visiting on you, perhaps you are in from out of town or moved in uh, for university, this is the time when we do see lots of people kind of move in. So we'd love to connect with you. Say hi at the end of the service. We've got a whole bunch of life groups and midweek communities and ways in which you can find your way in and connect in with the community here. So uh, make sure you do that. Use the QR code. And I just want to say, if you are wanting to come to Newcomers next Sunday lunch, uh, just go to the events on the link tree through that QR code. Sometimes it gets a little confusing where you want to go, but if you go to events and then Newcomers lunch through on that events page, uh, there's lots of information uh, through that link tree there if you're wanting to find out more about who we are and for you to let us know who you are, so we can help you get connected in. Well, hey, uh, we are in a series, uh, as Megan said before, a vision series called Multiply and Magnify. Uh, Beginning of every year, we kind of kick off with some key words or a a, a key uh, sense of what God is calling us to uh, for for the year ahead. The two words that Jason shared a couple of weeks ago, uh, multiply, multiply the message, the ministry, Uh, The miracles, Jason was here last week preaching on multiplying the miracles of Jesus. God has uh, done a work in our lives. He has given us the values of the kingdom and we get to multiply them in different ways. And as we magnify him, he fills us with a vision of who he is. He empowers us and sends us out uh, as we worship, as we pray. And so all of these themes and topics we are sitting in and looking at over the course of this series... And today I'm going to be looking at uh, multiplying the message of Jesus. Multiplying the message of Jesus. A couple of weeks ago I spoke on multiplying the ministry of Jesus. And uh, I think sometimes we can make the error, and we have throughout the history of the church, of either emphasizing the ministry or the works uh, of the kingdom and what God has called us to do uh, or we have overemphasized the message of Jesus, the spoken word, uh, the good news, the gospel, and preaching in word, the good news. And so you have this uh, focus either on the works of the kingdom or the preached word. We, we're buzzing here. We're okay, Reuben? All good. All good. I apologize. If not, I'm very happy to hold a mic as well. Um, and so we have, uh, you know, in the past, we've either said it's, it's focused on one or the other. You know, we either go down this social justice route or we actually go down this just preach, 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 and never the twain shall meet. But actually, the vision of the kingdom of God is both. It's both. Both the word and the action of God, the values of the kingdom happen in both. They are actually indistinguishable. They must go together because that is who God is. God's actions and his word are not distinct. 
They're not dissimilar. You go right back to Genesis when you see that, that God spoke creation into being. In John chapter 1, we looked at this over Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God came down. The Word came down in physical flesh. God's words and his actions are not distinct. They are the same. They are one and the same. And we see it in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Word, and he is in person. He is with us. He is action. And so today we're going to look at the message of Jesus, the Word of God, the good news, the gospel, and the gospel that multiplies and works its way out in our hearts, our minds, and our lives. And Jesus, as he so beautifully did, the Word that became flesh, used his words to speak and to give us a picture of what the kingdom of God looks like. And he did it in parables so that we could somehow get an understanding of what he is like and what we're invited to. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 8 this morning. And if you've got your Bibles with you, you can open it up. The words are going to be on the screen behind me. And uh, we're going to read a well-known parable, a well-known story that Jesus tells. And it's we're going to start at verse 1 of Luke chapter 8. You can grab it on your phones if you want because I'm going to be sitting in it and bouncing back and forth in it throughout my message. But this is how it goes. After this, Jesus traveled from, uh, about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's, Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable Man, it must have been a little bit awkward. Jesus says, you know, if you've got ears to hear, let them hear. And then the disciples go, ah, we've got no idea what you're talking about. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in times of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word 
retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Uh, I'm, I'm no farmer. Uh, I'm not a horticulturalist. Uh, I've never worked on a farm. Uh, in fact, I have a knack of destroying farms. I remember when I was a kid going out on a, a quad bike with my dad and I was driving and uh, I panicked, turning around a corner and hit the accelerator and drove, ploughed straight through a massive crop on the farm that we were visiting. And my dad had to jump over and stop the, stop the bike and pull it back and then we had to go back to the farmhouse and I had to apologise that I just destroyed a whole bunch of crops. So I'm, I'm not particularly a green thumb. Megan... Megan is a, is a green thumb. She loves gardening. But I am a middle-aged man now, which means that I take great pride in my lawn because that's what ha- there's something that happens. I'm not quite sure what happens. Just warning you boys over there. It will happen. And, uh, and you'll look back at the end of the day when you've mowed the lawn and go, that's awesome. Uh, anyway, that's me. I don't know if any, anyone, any other men like that, just you just take great pride in your lawn. I, 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 I've become that. It's a, it's a weekly thing for me. I remember a couple of years ago, we had all our yard leveled. We had pathways dug up. We had driveways put in, both front and backyard completely leveled, re-leveled. And, uh, and so there was a massive project because I pride myself on my lawn about getting that lawn back green and lush. And so I remember raking and digging up all the rocks. There were so many rocks and old roots in the, in the ground that I had to just fill buckets with this rocky stuff to get it out because I just wanted great soil. And then we went out and we got grass seed and we scattered grass seed all over that raked up, well-prepped uh, soil. And we sectioned it off because we had our kids and they were a little bit younger at the time and they couldn't run onto the lawn so we had like roped off and no, you're not allowed to get, it was torturous for them because the playground was just there. Uh, they couldn't do it. And, uh, and, and we, we scattered the seed and then, then began the long process of praying and hoping that the seed would take and the lawn would grow and multiply. And it took a long time. And there was, there was a fair bit of work in protecting. I mean, the pigeons loved grass seed. And so every morning and afternoon, they would come down in their tens just to uh, enjoy the seed. And so our kids, I gave them the job of pigeon patrol. And so they would have to run out and bang and yell. And it's just so that the pigeons would fly away. They were my nemesis. But we managed to get through lots of watering, lots of protection, lots of fertilizing. And finally, after months and months, we saw that lawn grow and thicken and become a beautiful green lawn that I could mow and I could edge trim and I could look back and just look at it and just enjoy. I've got to be honest, at the time I just thought, why didn't I just turf? You know, just, it would have been so much easier. But these are the things you learn and I think the Lord wanted to show me something so that I could share it with you today. <laughs> so let's get some context to this story. I love the fact that Jesus takes everyday examples. You know, they lived in an agrarian uh, culture. So they were very familiar with the challenges that faced uh, just planting and, and, and seeing crops grow because they were absolutely and fundamentally connected to it and dependent on it. 
We see here that Jesus tells a story of a sower scattering seed. Now, who is the sower? Well, I think we get context to who the sower is in the very first verse. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, doing what? He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. So Jesus tells the story and Luke gives us the context of the story. And the context of the story is it's Jesus himself who is scattering or going and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The sower in this story is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is scattering the seed. And so what we have here is both the sower and the message being one and the same thing. The word of God, the good news of God, the good news of the kingdom is that there is a king. That there is one who has come to save the whole world. That there is one who reigns and rules over all. We spent time this morning declaring who that king is. Jesus, who has stepped down from heaven, walked upon earth and died for us, redeeming all of creation. That is the good news of the kingdom. That Jesus reigns and rules. Jesus is king. Jesus has defeated sin and death so that we can know life. It's the good news. Radically changes our life. And for many of you, you have stepped into the kingdom. You've received that word of God. It has changed your life. This is the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus tells the story of the sower, he himself sowing the word of God, the good news that Jesus reigns and he rules. And we see then as we journey through this story that the sower throws out the seed liberally. Now, as I'm reading this story and I'm watching, you know, uh, from my experiences, my limited experience of sowing seed, you know, I was particularly careful where I sowed and which parts needed more seed than other seed. You get a picture here of a really bad sower. I mean, this, this farmer, he, I mean, you read that he's throwing it on the path. That's not real smart. He's throwing it on rocky ground. He's throwing in pages. What we get here, this, this is, we, we, we can't take the parable that way. But what I actually think what we do get is a picture of a sower who liberally, generously, ubiquitously just throws the seed everywhere. See, the kingdom of God is for everyone, everywhere, for all time. Everyone, everyone is invited into the kingdom. Everyone gets a chance. Everyone gets a chance to hear the good news of the kingdom. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter your background or your circumstances or whatever your story is, your family. Everyone is invited into the kingdom of God. Everyone. Doesn't matter where you are, your location, your situation, your story. I think that's the picture that we're getting here. The sower generously spreads the seed. And again, in the context, and I love this detail that Luke gives. So the story is, we read in verse 1, Jesus is traveling about towns and villages, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And then Luke inserts this before the parable. And he says, I don't know if you picked it up, the 12 were with him, but it wasn't just the 12 who were with him. Did you notice that? And he lists three women in particular. Women, which is, again, part. So the, the, these women were key core parts of 
this, this group, the ministry of Jesus. Women who in that time, uh, if you understand the context of time, this was, this was radical in and of itself. But then you've got women who like Mary Magdalene who's come from an incredibly broken background. You've got um, uh, Joanna who works in Herod's uh, uh, household and Susanna and many others. I think what Luke's doing here is he's giving us a little bit of a picture of the kingdom of God. He's saying this isn't just for the select few. This isn't just for in that time just you know, the male leaders, but he's actually saying, you know what, this is for everyone. This is for men and women, radical for that time, turning everything upside down on its head. And not just women, but people from a whole range of different backgrounds. See, the kingdom of God is for everyone, including you. And the seed is sown. The message is heard as it's sent out, but it's not always received. So we've all heard the message, and this is for all of us. Every one of us have heard the message at some point in our life. We've all, we've all, no matter where we are, we've, the, the, the seed has been sown, but that message, whilst heard, is not always received. And that's why Jesus said, though seeing they may not see through hearing, though hearing they may not understand. And so then Jesus begins to unpack what it looks like. What's the shape of the heart of, of those who receive or at least hear the word of God? And so we have four different types of soils. And the beauty is, is that Jesus actually gives us, through the disciples, an actual rendering an explanation of the nature of the soils, which is essentially our hearts. Firstly, there are those who are hard-hearted. The seed that falls on the path. Now, if a seed falls on a path, it's not going to even penetrate or get in into the soil. Jesus says that the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. You know, as I think about hard-heartedness, I'm reminded of someone like Pharaoh in Egypt. And Paul unpacks this in Romans, but we see that his heart, he's hardened. It says God hardens his heart, but God hardens his heart through grace. God hardens his heart by 10 times giving him an opportunity to let the people go. So what is it about Pharaoh that stops him? What is it about the hard heart that stops? I think it's pride. You know, at the very heart, the, at the very, you know, the core of our being, if we reject the word of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God, it's because of pride. I can do it myself. I'm okay. Thank you very much. The hard heart rejects out of hand the mercy and the grace and the message of the kingdom of God because of pride. The second soil, the second nature of the heart is the rocky ground. And Jesus explains it like this. He said, the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. This is amazing. What? You know, I can, I can walk in grace and my life can be changed and I'm loved. And this is amazing. But it takes no root. They believe for a while. But in, to, in the time of testing, they fall away. 
These are those who hear the word of God and say, this is great. This is, a, this is the promise of the good life. But actually, when it comes time for sacrifice and surrender, because let me tell you, the Christian life is not all, you know, roses and, you know, dancing in clouds and all wonderful life. You know, it's not happily ever after in this life. It will be in the future. And so we, people have expectations, oh, if I just become a Christian, it's just all going to be easy. God's going to be my beck and call and he's going to do whatever I want. It's just not the Christian life. And those who have a rocky heart will lose their faith when times get tough. The third type of heart, the third type of soil that Jesus talks about is the seed that falls amongst good soil, but there are also weeds and thorns who hear, as, as we read in verse 14, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. The weeds and the thorns rob all the nutrients, they rob all the good stuff, and they sap out any opportunity for the seed to go deep and to create a richness. I actually think this is really significant for us. I know it's significant for me. Because the reality is, as we live in a Western time, in a Western culture which is wealthy, we live in a wealthy nation where we have so much. And there are so many distractions. There is so much pleasure. There is so much available to us that the, that the joy and the life of the gospel, the joy and the life of walking with Jesus can often get overwhelmed by the pleasures and the attractions and the desires of our heart. They're more attractive. And they pull us away. But what's interesting here with what Jesus says, he says they are choked not by the riches and pleasures, but they are choked by the worries first, then the riches and the pleasures. You know, as I look out in our world today, yes, we have plenty of pleasures and we have plenty of access to riches, but I also see so much worry. And the worry can overwhelm us and it can rob us of life. And as a result, and I speak this for myself as well, I find myself doing this. I begin to stress and worry. I begin to ponder and think more about the things and the issues in my life rather than walking hand in hand with Jesus and allowing him to mature my faith. And I just wonder whether maybe here today, as you sit here, you're not seeing multiplication. You're not seeing fruitfulness in your life. You're not seeing courage and vitality in your life. Because ultimately, the things of this world are overwhelming you. And you're actually spending more time thinking and worrying and pursuing the things of this world rather than the things of God. I actually think that's why uh, this, this season of prayer and fasting is such a gift. It's interesting that Jesus didn't say, he said two things. He said, when you pray, when he teaches the disciples, and then he says, when you fast. Fasting for Jesus wasn't an option. 
Fasting actually was a discipline, a regular discipline, just like praying. And the gift of fasting uh, is, well, one of the gifts, one of the great gifts of fasting is it is an opportunity to do some weeding. It's an opportunity to actually sit and consider the soil. It's true. Because I tell you what, once you start taking away some of the needs and the pleasures of your life, whether that be food, whether that be technology, whether it's both, whether it's coffee, people, and, and, and you're longing, the, you know, you, you're kind of stirring, you, oh, man, I'd just do anything to get that coffee or that food right now or, you know, have my hit, my dopamine hit on my technology, whatever it is. It's an opportunity to direct our hearts and our longing back to Jesus and to do some weeding of the heart, to, do it, to, to allow God to reveal the things of our heart that have risen above our desire for him. Let me encourage you, tomorrow, even today, take some time to think about what are you stepping into? What are you pulling away from? What are you, uh, what are you resisting? What are you saying no to in order that your heart may be directed in a new way towards Jesus? And say to Jesus, oh, Jesus, I need you. I need you. This is a gift of time. These next three weeks, as we lean into God, and I know because it's happened year after year after year, that God speaks to us as his people. And he takes us deeper into himself. Fasting is a way to do a heart check and to do a good weeding of the soul. Let's embrace that over the next three weeks. So we've had the three soil. We've had the hard ground, the rocky ground, and the thorny, the weedy ground. But then there's a fourth soil that Jesus talks about. And it's, and it's the, where the seed, the message, gets into soft ground. And what happens is Jesus says that the soft ground, this malleable ground, this fertile ground, is ground where multiplication takes place. See, the message... The good news of Jesus will multiply in a malleable, soft heart. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Who wants a noble and good heart? Who would like to say, I, I, who would like to on their tombstones have, da, 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 they had a noble and good heart. But, sorry, that sounded a bit more morbid. I don't want you to be thinking about your, your death right now. But who hear the word. Retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You know, I reckon sometimes we think that, well, if the seed goes into good soil, then bam, that's it. One minute the seed goes in, the next day, full tree. But the reality is that's just not life, and that's actually not what the kingdom of God does. It's a slow process. It takes time. And I think sometimes, you know, for those of you who are young Christians, you get, no, not just young, old Christians, you go, why is this so hard? Why is it taking so long? But that's the reality of the seed. The seed takes time to grow, to mature, and to flourish. And I think sometimes we have expectations on ourselves, and maybe you have expectations on others too. It's very easy to judge, isn't it? To look at somebody else and go, there, I'm not seeing fruitfulness in their life. At least rocky ground. Maybe thorny ground. <laughs> you know, Jesus tells another parable. 
He tells the parable of the, uh, of the wheat and the tares. And, and the servants want to come and they want to rip out everything because they see all the, all the weeds. And Jesus tells a story about the, about the farmer or the, the ruler, whoever it is. He says, no, 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 wait. We need to give this time. We need to allow time for the, for the wheat to grow up. And then we can separate the wheat from the weeds. You know, sometimes it takes time. There is a journey, there is a reality to our Christian life. And there are challenges along the way. And I want to encourage you that it does take time. But I want to pick up on this word that Jesus says, by persevering. By persevering. I would have loved for our lawn and, you know, to just kind of seed one day, pigeons all die the next, grass two days later, mowing day three. You know, that would have been amazing. You know, that would, that would have been great. Maybe, and yes, that's what turfing is. <laughs> but the reality is it took perseverance and waiting and time. And that's the same for our lives as well. But that's part of the maturing process. We don't mature unless we persevere. We don't go deep unless we go through hard times. Our roots will not go deep unless we settle in for the long haul. It's interesting, good soil will still have birds. Good soil will still have weeds. It requires watering and fertilizing, but over time it will bear fruit. It will multiply and it will multiply in your life. Your life will multiply the word of God. Your life will multiply the kingdom of God. Your life will declare and speak out and your mouth will speak out. In fact, it must speak out the kingdom of God because that is its DNA. It's inbuilt, just like a plant is, is inbuilt in it to multiply and to send seeds out so that it will continue to grow and develop. I, you know, with my grass, I, didn't, I did not put out enough seeds for every strand of grass. It took care of that over time. It multiplied. And that's what the kingdom does in us. In fact, we are called to multiply. It's what works it out, but it, it must be shared. See, there's a working out that must happen. It happens in us, but there is a choice in it as well. It is part of the perseverance. I love what Jesus goes on to share. So he tells this great story, this parable of, the, of, of, uh, of multiplying the kingdom, the word of God uh, in these different four soils. But then he goes on. I just want to read this next part of the passage in chapter 8, verse 16. Really interesting what he then goes. Quick shift. No one lights a lamp. Part of the same conversation. Part of the same dialogue. Jesus moves straight on. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar. Clay jar. Or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. We cannot hide what God has given us. Jesus is saying it's got to get out. It's got to be proclaimed. It's got to be shared. 
See, good news needs to be proclaimed if it's going to become good news. People may see your life. They may see your actions. They may go, wow, there is something different about you. You, you, you don't swear. You don't carry on. You, there's integrity about you. There's something about you. But unless you vocalize, unless you speak, unless you explain, unless you say, there is a reason for why I am what I am, there's a reason, there's good news the proclaimed good news, the spoken word, the euangelion, which is the Greek word, the, the spoken good news that the king is alive and reigns, there is salvation, they will not know. You know, just this week I was watching a video, I jumped on, I enjoy all sports, uh, but rugby league, uh, the NRL kicks off next week. And uh, there are uh, four teams that are currently in Las Vegas in America because they think that somehow Americans are going to like rugby league. And so uh, they've decided to do two games next weekend or a couple of weekends' time in L.A. And I watched a video explaining rugby league this week with the dulcet tones of Gladiator himself, Russell Crowe. And he was talking in his deep, deep voice, and it's kind of like smash bash, you know, trying to get the... And what, what was he doing? He was explaining to an American audience what in the world is going on in, a, in the game of rugby league. And as I watched it, I thought, well, actually, this is quite complicated. Not as complicated as American football, because that is just ridiculous. I mean, they even have, they even have notepads to try and figure out what they're doing in American football. Don't check once in a but it's complicated. Now, if someone was just watching, like, like an American audience, or if you ever, you ever sit in a sports club or something and there's a game going on and you have no idea what that game is, without the spoken word explaining what's going on, you're lost. You actually have no idea. You don't know why people are celebrating. You don't know why people are cheering. You don't know what in the world's going on. You need somebody to explain why. Why is there celebration? Why is there excitement? Why is there joy? Why is this even interesting? It's the same with the gospel. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 10. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear unless someone, uh, without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those taking from the... Book of Isaiah, how beautiful are those, uh, are the feet of those who bring the gospel, the good news. And so that is our task. Our task is to share, to speak out the message of the kingdom, just like the sower, planting seeds and speaking out the good news of the kingdom of God. For every one of us, we're all called. We continue to read through Luke and very, so Jesus has given a parable. He said, he's walking with his followers, preaching the good news of the kingdom, gives them a parable to say, this is what it looks like to multiply. He then says, you are, you are to be a light and share it to everyone. And in the very next chapter, the first verse of Luke chapter nine, Jesus does this. We read in verse one, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them the power and authority to drive out all demons and, cure all diseases, and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Both. Yes, the mercy, the ministry of Jesus. 
and the message of Jesus. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Salvation is at hand. There is hope for humanity. God has come to redeem all of creation. Jesus sent out the 12. And as we've been looking at in this series, he sends us out to Matthew 28, go into all the world. We are called to proclaim, to tell the message of the good news of Jesus. So how can we do it? This is where we're going to land. How can we share the good news? Well, I, I kind of thought of just this um, really simple thing of show and tell. Show and tell. Now, I don't know if you grew up, I, I think they still do it at school. So do our kids do it? Um, <laughs> our kids do it. Where you would take an item to school and you would show your class what your favorite toy was or your favorite piece of equipment, whatever it was. And then you would tell them why it is special. Show and tell. I actually think it's the same thing for us. Firstly, we've got to show. We've got to live a life and, and, and engage and be amongst people so that they can see who we are. Fundamentally, we are called to be people of mercy and love. We're called to be people of relationship. You know, if people are going to step into the kingdom of God, if people are going to hear the message and receive the message, they've got to see it, and it's done through relationship. It's done through love. And we don't love people just to get them into the kingdom or so that we can tell them. No, 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 we love them because we love them. Because Jesus has changed our life. And it just spills out of us. We've all got spheres of connection. We've all got relationships that we're in, whether it's our family, whether it's our workplace, whether it's your university, whether it's your old school friends, social groups, social networks, your neighbors. We all have spheres of connection, people that we are interacting with all the time. And we're invited to love them. But as we love them, we look for opportunities to show show and to tell, to show and to tell. You know, whether it's in the, in, in, the, in the lunchroom at work or in a conversation where things may be moving, you could take it either way, whether this could be a spiritual conversation or not. Hey, what'd you do on the weekend? Just, you know, and you know that moment, am I going to tell them that I went to church? But if there's relationship there, if there's trust there, take that opportunity. Have those conversations. Look for ways in which you can just talk about the way that you see the world. The way that you can converse and let people into your life. You know, often the great opportunities to reflect and show your faith and your love is when people go through hard times, and they will. I actually think that's when people's hearts are most malleable, right? That hard heart, that rocky heart, something goes wrong, something falls apart, there's grief, there's pain, whatever it is, and all of a sudden, that hard heart becomes soft. The opportunity to just place a seed into someone's life. And if you are trustworthy enough, and if they've seen your life and your character over the long haul, they will trust you. I, I remember, it was weird... I was 22 years old and I was working 
for a large multinational company and I was a junior sales guy. And they knew that I was a a Christian and they used to love teasing me about it and giving me a hard time. These are much older guys, particularly old school uh, company. And it was okay. It was fine. Um, But what was really interesting, I remember even at 22 years old, my senior managers on two occasions, two different managers, drew me into their office to share what was going on in their marriage and the challenges that they were walking through, just to talk about. I'm sitting here, I'm 22 years old, I only had one girlfriend. (laughs) I had no wisdom, other than I was a safe person for them, and they knew my character and who I was. I was able to talk about my own faith. We have these opportunities, and we need to have the confidence to actually share our life and our faith. And hopefully, as we do the journey, as you hear me share and preach, I am passionate. I am passionate about emboldening us as Christians in a culture that's falling apart because it's building its values on a faulty system. That we are going to have more and more opportunities if we are confident to go, there is a better way. There is a better way. We have these ways and these opportunities and more than, well, not more than that, but we also have a story to share. You have a story. If there's something that we can hold on to, there's something that we can utilize in our world and our context and our culture today, it's our truth. It's our truth. Your story is your story. Your experience is your experience. Your life is your life. How has God radically Change your life, and maybe you need to go back and remember, remember and remind yourself of the joy of the good news. Is the good news the good news for you today? Or have you forgotten? Share your story because let me encourage you, let me tell you everyone, everyone is looking for hope. Everyone, everyone is looking for salvation. Every person, every human heart is longing for salvation. And most people in our city are looking in all the wrong places. They're trying to fill that hole with work and success and investments and sexual experience, relationships, shopping, Netflix, holidays and at some point you come to a place of realizing it's not enough we have a good story to share it's not easy it means surrender but it also means absolute freedom means life and joy let me tell you your story your story that Jesus has saved you from death and brought you into life is a powerful story. Don't deny it. Celebrate it and share it. Multiply it. Let's multiply it. Show and tell the good news of the kingdom and invite people. Invite people. If you don't feel like... It, see, one of the scary things, and maybe you feel this, is... If I tell someone I'm a Christian, then I'm going to be labeled a bigot, an idiot, irrelevant, 
anti-science, boring, whatever it is. They are some of the real fears, right? Let's name it. And sometimes we feel like, I can't explain. Can I just say, those feelings are actually far greater in us because we read too much of the newspaper and watch too much media than actually what is going on in people's lives who look at you. Just, just, to, just to encourage you, give you confidence. And even, if, and even if you're not sure how to explain every question, that's okay. That's okay. Walk the journey. Say, I don't know. I'm not sure. But then you can invite them. Invite them to your own home. Invite them to meet other people. Invite them to church. Invite them to Alpha. I love the stories in the gospel. Well, often when people met Jesus, their life were transformed. They just wanted to invite other people to meet Jesus. They didn't try and explain it themselves. They said, just come and hang out with Jesus. In in Matthew chapter 13, Matthew, the tax collector. You see, one minute, Matthew, come and follow me. He follows Jesus. The next verse, they're in his house, and he's with all his tax collector friends, and Jesus is is there. Matthew's just had a party and said, you've got to meet this guy. I love the story in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. You know it, right? And and Jesus comes and says, could could you just share me some water? And they get into a conversation and and Jesus says, I can offer you water that will will never run dry. And she goes, she moves into theological conversation trying to figure it out. Jesus says, no, 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 I can see your heart. I know what's going on in your life. You're actually living in adultery. I mean, talk about like difficult conversation. Can you imagine having that in your workplace? I'm just here, I've just come to show and tell uh, the good news of Jesus and you're living in sin. (laughs) Want to come to church? But the way that Jesus does it is it's like she runs off to the village that she's been ostracized from and she goes, you got to come and meet a man who told me everything I ever did. He's amazing. He's amazing. That is the Jesus that we follow. That's the Jesus that that we know. And that's the Jesus that people in our life need to meet. And whether that is inviting them to church, if you feel safe enough to do that, if you think that this is a place, do that. If it's inviting them to your life group or inviting them into your home just to have a meal and have a conversation and having somebody else who might be with you who could explain things, if that's helpful, do that. Invite them along to Alpha. Now, Alpha is just one tool that we use. It's a tool that we use at church. It's one that I've been using for 15 years. Really non-confrontational way, very simple way of inviting people in. And we've got people in our church, in this congregation right now, whose lives have been changed because of jumping on Alpha, being part of Alpha. Over seven weeks exploring and asking questions of who Jesus is. The gospel is shared and then people ask questions and do their own journey and share their story with other people who are also grappling with these questions. And an opportunity to say and step into and hear the good news and saying, yeah, that's for me. Next term, we're going to be running it here at City. We haven't run it in the church since before COVID. And uh, we're going to be rebooting, getting back in the building Providing a meal, showing Alpha, creating space for people who you know to ask the questions and do the journey and find Jesus. So let me encourage you now to be thinking and praying about 
as I've been talking to people, already people are saying, I've got people. Who could you invite? Come along and explore and ask the question of who Jesus is. And in the future, I'd love for as many as possible to come along, whether you've done Alpha or not, particularly if you haven't done Alpha, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, whether you're inviting someone or not, we'd love to have you. Because one of the things that we are leaning into, and this, came, this has come out in our vision series, is a, a, an idea called Alpha in the Wild, where you can do, Alpha, it's video-based, where maybe you can do it in your own home, in, a, in, in that environment, or maybe do it in a, on a lunch break at work, or whatever it is, or however that works for you. Just taking the resources and inviting people to find out more about who Jesus is, multiplying the message of Jesus, and seeing fruit from your life. We have good news. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? That Jesus has changed your life. He set you free. Maybe, maybe you become old and crusty. And it's kind of like you've been, you, you know, you've been a Christian. Yeah, I've been a Christian 30 years and I know the deal and somehow the joy is gone. And that's why I love new Christians, man, because they just, they're like Matthew and that woman at the well. They just got to tell people. Somehow along the way we forget me included. We got to remind ourselves again of, of the good news of Jesus and what he's done for us. Let's go out and multiply the message of Jesus. Hey, we're going to worship in a minute. I've got some practical things that even as we worship, I'd love for you just to, to grab hold of. But before we do that, I, I would love to create a moment of response. I don't know your story, all your stories here today, I don't know where you're from, your background, your journey. But I'd love to create two responses, just really briefly. One, if you're here and actually you've heard the message, but you haven't heard the message. And maybe today is the day that actually you say yes to Jesus. You actually say, I want, I want forgiveness. I want freedom. I want to be set free from, from the trying and the striving and the religion. And I need grace. Maybe you've heard the story many times. Maybe this is your first time in church, but you just need to respond and say yes to Jesus. I would love to create an opportunity for you just to, to just declare and say yes to Jesus. I reckon there's another group of people here where you just feel right now that the weeds are way above your head. And yeah, you've been a Christian, you may have been a Christian a long, long time, but just the worries of this world and the, the pleasures and the riches and everything else has overwhelmed you. And you know it because your joy has gone and your life has gone. And you know you're not multiplying. When you go to your workplace or you hang out with your non-Christian friends, you're more attracted to what they're doing and wanting to do what they do rather than actually shine a light. And today is a, is a, is a new start. It's a weeding moment today of just pulling the weeds out. And I'd love just to bless you and pray for you today. So why don't we just bow our head, close our eyes. And without people watching, if that's if it's you, if firstly, the number one, if you just, you want to step into the kingdom, you're saying yes to Jesus, you want to surrender your life and your heart and receive him into your life today. I'm just going to invite you just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just to raise your hand where you are. If that's you this morning. And if there is number two, if there is anyone who 
you just know that the weeds have got too high and this is a weeding moment for you this morning. You're just saying, God, I, I need you just to deal with that in my heart and life. Just in with every head bow and every eye closed. For either of those, just stick your hand up high in the sky. I'd love to pray for you. Awesome. Anyone else? Come on. I'm not going to make you do anything crazy. I just I want to bless you and pray for you. This is a significant moment between you and God right now. Is there anyone else? Awesome. Thank you. I see those hands. That's cool. Even just by noting, even just by putting your hand up, that's, there's something powerful there. You, there is almost a surrender moment in that saying to God, God, I need you again. I'd love to pray for those who put their hand up, just to pray a blessing. And even if you didn't, just receive this. In fact, I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you're happy, just to pray after me. Uh, every one of us, if you're willing to do that, just pray it above a whisper, speak it out, and, uh, and just and join with those who put their hand up today. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you brought the kingdom by living and dying for me. And God, I recognize that I've walked from you. I've been overwhelmed with the things of this life. I've sinned. Forgive me, Jesus. Will you come and heal me? Will you come and work in my life? Help me to live for you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hey, I'm going to get the, the team to come up. I'd just say, if any, anyone who, do, who did pray that prayer, who stuck their hand up, you're on a journey. Grab someone that you came with or come and see me. Come and see Megan after the service. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to bless you. So I know that there is a great joy. There is a great joy in walking in the ways of God as we uh, walk in his kingdom. Hey, why don't we stand together? And as we land today, I, I would love for you as you worship. If you just need to worship and sing, do that. But I want to ask you a couple of questions. Who is your person? Who's that person you need to share your story with? Who's that person you need to invite to Alpha or to church? Who's that person who you're praying for? Who's that person that you need to have an intentional conversation with this week? Who is it? Second question, what are you going to do? What's your move? How are you going to have the courage to do it? Who's your person and what's your move? And maybe just the third question, what's your step over this 21 days of prayer and fasting? If you haven't landed that yet, don't walk out today without resolving with God saying, this is how I'm going to put aside uh, something this 21 days to hear from God, to do some weeding in my life, to grow and mature afresh and anew. So as we worship, I've just given a few things for you to uh, process in your mind. So uh, do that, write it down, put it on your phone, put it in your calendar, whatever you need to do right now so that you are obedient to the call of God and His Word uh, to us today. Come on, let's sing. We're going to sing a song. You are the Word from the beginning. And uh, let's declare and proclaim the good news of Jesus in worship. Let's sing. Thanks, Sarah. 
We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 